Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of LiveWire. I'm your host, Luke Burbank. How you doing? I hope you're having a great week. We have a very interesting radio show coming up for you. We got a bunch of guests, Jeff Merkley, who's a U.S. Senator, Joe Zimmerman, who is a comedian, Anish Mojgani, who is a poet, and a woman named Sharon Ross, who describes herself as an Afro-vivalist. Oh, plus, by the way, we have music from Ron Artiste II and The Truth. Now, these guests may seem like they're from wildly different backgrounds, but it turns out there's sort of a, a common thread that ties them all together, and that is the not-so-distant future, something that they're all thinking about and writing about and working towards in one way or another. We wanted to get uh, a sense of the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, where we do the show most weeks, and asked the crowd there, what is something annoying from modern day life that they're hoping doesn't make its way into the future? First though, that audience question had me thinking about the stuff that I'm hoping doesn't make its way into the not too distant future. And I started things off on stage at the Alberta Rose by talking about that with Elena. Take a listen. I was thinking about this today, like what annoying thing am I hoping won't be around in the future? And for me, I think it would be the reply all function <laughs> on my email. You hope that that just goes the way of we the rotary I, phone. I can't be trusted with it. Oh. With much reply all comes much responsibility and I am not up to it. I sent a reply all email today and I mentioned about how somebody can be a little sensitive and like nine emails down in the reply all was the a little sensitive person. And like I hit send and then looked at that I had hit reply all and I wanted to dive onto my laptop yeah. and drag the email back from the internet, but I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> and then I was just like freaking out. Like, what do I do? Do I get in front of this? Do I reach out to the person and say, hey... You're going to see a lot of things today in that email chain that you're not going to like. <laughs> I'm not a detail-oriented person, and I was hoping this other person, like me, would just see this email come in and just kind of not give it any mind. So I decided to just let it lie. And did it work out? For a while. <laughs> but? At about the 20-minute mark, I was like, oh, my God, my plan worked. I'm in the clear. <laughs> And then at about 27 minutes, I got a response from the person, just me, not the whole chain, saying, I am not oversensitive. Period? Period dash the first letter of their first name. Oh, that's like the middle finger of signatures. What about you, Elena? Do you have anything that, that oh, you're yeah. hoping doesn't make it into the future with us? Yes, daylight savings time. You don't like the spring ahead or you don't like the fall back? Isn't it both? No. So here's the deal. I only know about this because this is in the news lately. Uh, there's a movement in the West to stay on daylight saving time. So in other words, stay sprung forward like so that we can get more light in the afternoon, which, as we know here in the Northwest, we desperately need. Yeah. But you need the federal government to approve staying on spring ahead time. If only we had somebody from the federal government who is yeah. going to be coming on to this show. Oh, my God. That's actually a perfect segue. First, though. <laughs> Let's get a couple of audience cards in here. What are the uh, audience members hoping uh, doesn't make it into the future with us? What annoying thing? Well, Chuck would like to get rid of drugstore receipts that are four feet long. <laughs> I'm with you there, Chuck. 
All right, what else? Here's one from someone whose name is just a series of emojis. Question mark emoji, turtle emoji, fish emoji, flower emoji. Oh, Rick. <laughs> Rick would like to get rid of phone calls. Yes. Yes. A phone call is an act of aggression at this point. Yeah. It's worse than reply all. If, you're, yeah, right. <laughs> if your phone rings, it better be about like something serious yeah. because like a cold shiver goes through my body when my phone starts ringing. Yeah. Speaking of hoping the future is a better place for all of us, we actually have somebody waiting in the wings who spends pretty much all of his waking hours trying to make that happen. Please welcome U.S. Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon to Livewire. <laughs> Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's start at the, at the beginning for you. Um, where'd you grow up? What, what kind of kid were you? Did you want to become a U.S. Senator? Uh, Was that kind of like one of your dreams? Well, I'm a, I'm a blue-collar kid from Myrtle Creek, Oregon, where I spent first grade. Sure. We traveled with the timber economy, ended up here in, in Portland as, as that changed. And uh, no, uh, it was, it seems an impossible thing to occur. Even, you know, I interned for Center Hatfield when I was in college. Okay. It never crossed my mind of ever running for any office, let alone U.S. US Senator. That was something rich, powerful people did, not passionate grassroots activists. But it's nice every now and then to get a, a passionate grassroots activist into office where you can really keep fighting. <laughs> Of course, you are, we're talking to Senator Jeff Merkley. You're, you're one person in this body of 100 senators. Are you able to actually really affect change, do you think? You can upon occasion. You have to be prepared. You have to seize the moment. Let's take, for example, when I first came into office in, in 2009. Uh, I worked very hard to take Elizabeth Warren's dream of the, the vision of a Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and actually get it passed into law. Uh, she came to my office and she said, here's my idea. And she says, other people say it's a great idea, Elizabeth, but it'll never happen. Uh, I said, it's a great idea. Let's get it done. And we did. Well, there That's must a be a example. lot of great ideas. I mean, so that was, that was a, a great idea and you got it done, but there are tons of great ideas and they don't get done. Like, what's the difference between that program and many others that just you can't push through? Well, the difference is uh, what happened in 2011. Uh, when uh, my Republican colleagues took control of the House of Representatives. And in that time, all the investments in, in families, housing, health care, education, living wage jobs have been set aside in favor of uh, a massive tax giveaway for the richest Americans. What we have right now is a constitution that has been corrupted by gerrymandering and voter suppression and dark money. We have to restore the we the people vision that was in our constitution originally. Um, for people that have heard the term gerrymandering a bunch, but just think that that was like a guy they used to play basketball with in ninth grade, what is, just can you kind of quickly describe what gerrymandering actually is? Yes, what it is is in a state where the parties are equally split, say 50-50, but they draw the districts so that there's a lot of wasted votes and you end up with one party getting 75% of the congressional seats and the other party only getting 25%. So it significantly warps the total outcome in the United States. 
Um, it, it feels to me the sort of tenor of politics in D.C. seems to have changed to go from maybe trying to accomplish things together to trying to score points against each other as parties. Are we at an, in an unprecedented kind of arena of, of acrimonious behavior, and can we ever come back from it? Like, can you guys come back from it as politicians? So we're in a very tough spot because, um, and just to compare, when I was first in D.C. For, as an intern for Senator Hatfield, compared till now, well, that's quite a few decades in, in between more than I'd care to admit. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but what we had then was we had three networks that put out the news and some national newspapers, but essentially they all told more or less the same set of facts. Uh, now we have social media, which has all kinds of deceptions and who knows what being put out. And we have Fox on one side of the television side, we have MSNBC on the other, and there's a big chasm in between. And this is a, a huge problem for America. As I travel around our state, we have uh, 36 counties. I do a town hall in every county every year. People ask any question they want. Well, a lot of parts of the state, only people hear Fox News. And other parts, they only hear CNN and MSNBC. And they, they come out completely different. And they don't just disagree with each other. They dislike each other. And so... Uh, is this that is new? Or well, newish? Yeah, it is newish. It is different. Yes, it is different. Yeah, and I think the, the Oregon legislature has held it together better. It's more of a true legislative body. People work together uh, more, more calmly and deliberately. They are on the floor talking to each other. But at the national level, it's enormous segregation between the parties. And it is a place we need to come back from. And one of the th things we have to do uh, is we have to change a couple key things. We talked about gerrymandering. But another key piece we have to change is voter suppression and intimidation, which we saw in a massive way last November 6th, and it's completely corrupting. If you believe in our Constitution, you believe in voter empowerment, not voter suppression. Okay. And, but and, one, and there's one more huge thing, and it's probably the, the, the largest, and, and that's You know the, what? This is a perfect time for us to take a break, Senator. Okay, right then. <laughs> Why don't we hear the biggest, hugest thing when we come back? In a moment, this is Livewire Radio from PRI. We will be right back. Livewire is supported in part by Fully. Have you ever noticed how kind of not great you feel after you sit at work all day? Truth of the matter is your chair is probably part of the problem. Most chairs and desks, they restrict movement, which leaves your body kind of achy. Now we'd like to tell you about Fully, designer and collector of standing desks, chairs, and other workspace tools that encourage you to move so you will feel better at the end of your day. Uh, I use a Fully TikTok stool when I am recording these messages, and it has really changed my whole kind of physicality. After a long day, and I know it doesn't sound like a real job, maybe because it isn't, but after a long day of recording things at my home studio, sitting on a TikTok stool, I feel great. I don't feel like I've been ossifying for the last eight hours. I feel like I'm ready to go take on my evening. Uh, so I can't recommend fully highly enough. Get your body moving in your workspace like I've done. Go to fully.com slash livewire. That's F-U-L-L-Y dot com slash livewire. Fully. Desks, chairs, and things to keep you moving. Welcome back to Livewire from PRI. I'm Luke Burbank. We've got Elena Passarello here. We are at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland with Jeff Merkley, U.S. Senator from here in Oregon. Before we went to the break, uh, you were saying that 
as far as sort of getting things back on track politically, uh, we've got to work on gerrymandering, which is drawing up districts in really unnatural ways to ensure victory for one party. Uh, we, we need to really empower voters, not suppress them. And you said that there was a third one that was a biggie. What is that third this, one? This, the third one is this massive amount of dark, dirty money, hundreds of millions of dollars in our campaigns that comes out of Citizens United. We have to shine the light on the campaign money, and we have to kick that dirty money out of our political system. All right, so you're talking about pieces of legislation that could be potentially passed, although it seems unlikely at this point. It seems like there's such gridlock in Washington. But as far as the thing that we were talking about previously, about people, like as citizens, as somebody who might be a Republican, mistrusting and disliking as a person someone who is a Democrat, and vice versa, how do we come back from that? I feel like there was a time in this country where people could disagree, but they didn't have to be disagreeable. And we have moved into this other arena now, and you're talking about policies, which would be great, but like on a personal level, how do we get that fixed? Yeah, I was really struck by the surveys that now say the thing parents fear most is their son or daughter marrying somebody in the other political party. <laughs> that shows, I mean, how personal it's, it's, it's become. Wow. I can tell you there at the Senate, what I do is I continuously reach out. I reach out to my colleagues across the aisle, I try to have breakfast with them, dinner with them, talk about ideas, but there's very little time to make that happen. It can take three months to get a, a meeting with a member of the, other, of the other party. So you get little snippets on the floor, but there's, it's the whole structure tries to divide you and reinforce, if you will, uh, the tribalism. And we just have to fight it in every way we can. I have sponsored bills with every conservative Republican you can think of, because no matter how much you disagree on this top-line issue or that issue, there's something you do agree on, uh, on, on agriculture, on, on infrastructure, uh, on all kinds of things you would never consider, like how do we reduce wild animal trafficking, or et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's a thousand issues out there. You can always find something to work on with someone. What's a piece of advice you'd have for people, whatever their, their voting uh, pattern tends to be? What can people actually do to try to fix this country? Well, let me take an example. Big issue is climate, carbon pollution, and it's destroying our planet. That's a big deal. So what can you do? Well, uh, the first thing you can do is change the things in your own household so that you're burning electrons rather than burning fossil fuels. You can sign up for green electrons from your utility. You can talk to your family and friends about doing the same. So that's personal action. But then... Uh, in addition, you can go to a local community board, a college board, the board of a company, the board, the, the city council, and you can say adopt a 100% resolution and develop a two or three year action plan. And cities all over the country have done this. Uh, places of worship have done it. Colleges have done it. So there are lots of models out there. And every single one of us lives somewhere where there's a local organization we can go to and say, do this because it will start taking direct action against uh, climate chaos. So you're saying get engaged. Get engaged. Yes. All right. Yes, Jeff absolutely. Merkley, everyone. Thank Senator from right here in Oregon. Much. Thanks Thank for being you. on LiveWire.
All right, Senator Merkley, as a, as a U.S. senator, you have to use your brain a lot. I don't care what Fox News says. Uh, we know that you're back there using it, but we wanted you to use it just a little more by taking part in a segment that we call Let's Get Quizzical. Let's get quizzical, quizzical. I want to get quizzical. Let's see if you know your stuff. Uh, Senator Merkley, you recently sponsored a bill called Kitten, which stands for Kittens in Traumatic Testing Ends Now. I just found out about this, and it's already become, to me, the most important piece of legislation Mm -hmm. in America. I would have put that at the top of your list of things we need to do. Um, And beyond being a great idea, we're also very uh, impressed with your acronym slash legislative skills with that bill, Kitten. So we have a series of other impressive acronyms for legislation here. Some of these are real, and some of these we made up. We're calling this game Acronym or Acronaut. All right, so I'm going to give you a variety of uh, bills. They were uh, rendered as acronyms. Some of them are real. Some of them we made up. Uh, Stop smut. Special taxation on pornographic services and marketing using telephones act. Stop smut. Was that an acronym, like a real one, or an acronaut? That's an acronym. You're absolutely right. That is a real thing. Wow. It was introduced in 1989 by uh, Representative Pete Stark. Did you know that, or were you guessing? I was totally guessing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It sounded like something that a legislator would, would do, right? Yeah. Publicize their bill. Right. right. So, but the rest of them will probably sound that way as well. Uh, that's the idea. That's what makes the quiz hard, Senator. <laughs> How about, give me more. Government-intensive money move enabling more organic revenue encryption. Acronym or acronaut? That is an acronaut. No way. <laughs> Boy, you're good, Senator. That is an acronaut. You're absolutely right. All right. Anything that starts, give me more. No legislator wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> now, so how, what is the, what's the status of Kitten, the bill that would stop uh, testing uh, of, of things on adorable, lovely kittens? Who could ever vote against that? So after we publicized this bill with the clever acronym KITTEN, well done. the U.S. Department of Agriculture said, enough, enough, and they've announced they're going to stop slaughtering these kittens and they're going to put them out for adoption. So it's a victory. Wow. If you didn't already have the audience in the palm of your hand, Senator, that really (laughs) sealed the deal. How about this one, the COFEFE Act? Communication over various feeds electronically for engagement act. <laughs> Kofefe. Did you see this? Are you familiar with the phenomenon that is Kofefe, Senator? I am not. Oh, Lord. It's okay. <laughs> it honestly means you're doing more important things, but that is a real acronym. It's from Democratic Illinois Congressman Mike Quigley. It was introduced following the time when the president tweeted the word Kofefe. Okay. I was going to say that was a real acronym. Yeah, okay, we'll give it to you retroactively. Absolutely right. If it ends up ever getting passed, it would require the president's tweets to be included in the national archives with other presidential records. Would you vote for that? The Kofefe? Yes, please. All right. Well, you did very well. You impressed us. You didn't need to impress this audience. They already love you. Jeff Merkley, thank thank you you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Livewire is brought to you in part by Alaska Airlines. Now, people may think Alaska Airlines only flies from cold to colder. But with 1,200 daily flights and 118 destinations, Alaska Airlines is a gateway from the West Coast to the world. Learn more at alaskaairlines.com. Hey, it's Luke. Do not go anywhere because coming up, we have comedian Joe Zimmerman, who says he is totally prepared for the future, whatever it brings. I did purchase a survival backpack off Amazon.com, $37, good for seven days survival. Um, I have eaten three of the power bars. Okay, he's kind of prepared for the future. Uh, Joe Zimmerman is so funny. You're going to want to hear him, so don't go anywhere. That is coming up right here on Livewire from PRI. This is Livewire Radio coming to you from the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Our theme this week is the not-so-distant future, and we asked the crowd here, uh, what is an annoying thing that you're hoping won't be around in the future? And uh, they filled out these cards. They sent them up to the front of the stage. Elena, you've got a stack of them. What's jumping out at you? Well, Gina hopes that in the not-so-distant future, pennies won't be around. Yeah, they are probably at this point really more of a hassle than they're worth. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what else you got? Here's uh, one ooh, uh, s- uh, from Andrew. Social media influencers. This yes. was something that completely didn't exist. I feel like a heartbeat ago, but, yes. but now it's like a whole yeah. unionized profession. Yeah, I'm fine with that going away because I never could become a, a social media influencer. <laughs> I tried hard, and I hit the ceiling of like 13,000 Twitter followers. It's not influencer status. Most of them are Russian bots. Really? Yes. All right, what else? <laughs> um, here's one from Anonymous, and I think you can sing it to the... My favorite thing song, leaf blowers, plastic clamshell packaging and Trump, Starbucks and marijuana shops on every street corner, white picket fences made out of shiny white plastic, people holding their cell phones in the air blocking your view while they tape music concerts rather than appreciate the actual experience. Wow! This is Livewire Radio from PRI. Our next guest, Anish Mojgani, is as good as his words, which, believe me, means he is very good. A two-time National Poetry Slam champion and winner of the International World Cup Poetry Slam. His most recent book is In the Pockets of Small Gods. Please welcome Anish Mojgani to Livewire. Evening. Welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Um, what are you going to uh, start off uh, uh, presenting to us here? As I was going to do a poem. Okay. And it's a poem um, called Today's Love is brought to you by the letter John Sands. And just right quick, uh, my friend John Sands is a poet who, uh, he writes these poems that when I hear him share them to people, it makes me feel like I can pay my rent in a new dance move. And so there was something about this poem after I wrote it that felt like it had been written under the shade of a John Sands tree. 
And so thus it's called Today's Love is brought to you by the letter John Sands. This is already one of the best poems I've ever oh, heard. Well, that was it. And you're just setting it up. On for the evening. All right, take it away, Anise. High five me with your heart. High thousand me with your hearts. I know you have many of them. We all love many things. I love biscuits. I love little pancakes. I love cheeseburgers. I've loved more than just things that I chew with my mouth. I did love my wife. Sometimes I would chew my wife's shoulder in my mouth. Sometimes my wife, she was annoyed by this. But still, sometimes my wife did love me back. Some things that I've loved will never love me back. Random racist upon the street, while your rhetoric may anger me, I still have love for you, though you probably will not love me back. Walrus, I love you. Though were I to be around you, you would probably gore me with your tusks. Perhaps this is not a good example, as the wild unknowing of wild creatures is not necessarily the same as not loving something back. Perhaps also because I actually do not love the walrus. But simply mention him here, because there's a small figurine of a walrus on the coffee table as I write this poem. However... I do love the elephant. I love the elephant. However, he too would probably gore me with his tusks. Again, not out of unlove, but perhaps fear. I do not love fear, but I respect him and that he loves me, testing how well I carry the sword of my intent through the land of the Midnight Farm. The land of the Midnight Farm, it is a strange and scary place. There are perhaps serial killers and or possums lurking in its darkness. The serial killer may love me, but in no way that I wish to be loved. Their love may involve the removal of my skin and the wearing of it out to the club. The possum may love me, but I do not love the possum. In fact, I hate the possum solely because of how ugly I find the possum to be. And yes, I realize this is a very shallow reason to dislike something. So I'm trying, possum. I'm trying to not not love you so much and said possibly just be ambivalent to your existence but oh I want to hate you like I hate the thought of bee stings black people and beans I put black people in there just to see if y'all were paying attention <laughs> I freaking love black people freaking love white people though sometimes I find both of them to be trifling don't get me wrong the only mother that I've ever had is black the only wife that I've ever had is white but damn if we humans aren't a trifling animal at times but still I love you you mountains of trifle and futility of perseverance and lightness of incessant rowing towards the sun even while facing it wondering why there is no forward momentum turn around Look at my many hands holding up my many hearts and a many high five salutation to you, Nina Simone, Paul Newman. So many things in this world I have loved. Rising with the sun, sleeping in late, little pancakes. And even though they didn't turn around once when she got gone, my wife's shoulders. Thank you. That is Anise Mosgani here on Livewire. That's really beautiful. And, and I, I've heard you do that poem before when it sounds like you were, your relationship was in a different status. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now that has changed. And you keep the poem and you adjust the, you know, the reality of the world makes its way into this poem. Yes. 
after my marriage was over, but and when it was in this like sort of like weird limbo, it was like I remember doing that poem, and it 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 felt as if I wasn't being truthful with myself mm. to my experience. And there's there's plenty of poets, friends of mine, who you know they're able to sort of like treat certain poems as theirs as as time capsules. And for me, I've tried that and it doesn't seem to work. And so specifically with this poem, it was a poem where I want to keep this in in my bag of tricks. You know, like um, there's only oh so many funny poems I have, but what, how can I have it be what it is and still reflect the current truth? You know, I I think there's something about the poem that um, became more what it, not necessarily what it's supposed to be, but it definitely became a different and more present and resonant shape in its second incarnation. Uh, can you share another poem? Yeah. The first, the first love poem I ever wrote was 15 years ago. And um, the person that I wrote it for, they had posted a, a number of years ago a photograph on their Facebook page of a lemon tree in a little pot seated on their kitchen windowsill. And this caption that read, see the lemon tree I grew from a seed, how big you've gotten. And I thought, that is a really, really sweet sentiment. And then I thought, that is a really, really stupid sentiment. And I had to write a poem about a lemon tree. And so this is what came out. This is Anish Mojgani here on Livewire. Oh, lemon tree, I grew from a seed. How big you have gotten. You were so little when you were a seed. And now so big. And soon you will carry such round and lovely lemons, yellow and dimpled. When they grow too big for your thin branches and they leave this kitchen of mine, ask them not to forget it, this kitchen of ours. It is my favorite room in the house. Lemon tree, when you pick up to follow, please do think of me. I will think of you here when my hands are far too empty and my tongue is far too sweet. I will think of the quiet poem that was your shape. Lemon tree. (laughs) Please, bring a scarf with you. Wherever you end up, it may be cold. And if it isn't, perhaps you will one day travel to a place where it is. Thank you. Anis Mosgani, right here on Livewire. This is Livewire from PRI. I'm Luke Burbank with Elena Passarello. We are at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland. Um, and of course, we have a lot of guests on from out of town, even from all over the world here on Livewire, week in and week out. But the local scene right here in Portland is also chock full of incredibly interesting people doing incredibly interesting things, and we like to meet them too. So let's please welcome this week's fascinating friend, Sharon Ross. Hi, Sharon. Welcome to Livewire. Hi. Thank you for having me. Okay. You are our fascinating friend this week, and we're talking about the not-too-distant future Mm -hmm. as our theme this week. That is something that you spend a lot of time thinking about because you are a self-described Afro-vivalist. What does that mean exactly? Afro-vivalist means African-American survivalist. 
I came up with that name over a bottle of wine. <laughs> Seriously, I really did. Um, I was raised by a Marine father, and I was his son. So I was out doing the things that boys do, did. I hated it, didn't understand it. But then as I got older, I was like, oh, wait, I can use some of that talent and that skill. And here is Afrovivalist. Uh, you grew up in Southern Oregon, right? I did. And yeah. you did a lot of firsts as an African-American woman in yes. Southern Oregon. Was that because you were the only African-American woman in Southern Oregon? Pretty much. Yeah? Pretty much. Um, we, we visited and we ended up staying. And I was the first African-American to go through the elementary, junior high, and high schools. So all the, oh my all the community schools. That sounds <laughs> intense. So my dad... What was that like? Well, my dad... From the minute that we got there, just started teaching me, you know, how to fight, how to box, how to throw knives, how to use a gun, <laughs> how to use an arrows, you know, all of that. He said, you know, you're the first one to go through the school and you can't take nobody's <laughs> So he said, if you ever get expelled from school because you're fighting, we're good with that. Wow. So this was like, in, in a way, this started young for you and this was a kind of a survival Technique. When did you then start to think about the, you know, world ending? Like, when did this become like a survivalist thing to you? In my 30s, when Katrina happened, mm. and then I kind of like let that weirdness go, and then I got back into it in my 40s, and I thought, you know what? The world is going to hell and back, and I don't want to be in it. I want to be in a place where I can be in a little bit of control of what I do, what I eat. Who I'm, who I'm around. So that's when the hoarding started. <laughs> <laughs> food. Because you gotta eat, right? Sure. So you gotta be able to learn how to preserve your food and, and do yeah. different things. Like, what is your food situation? Um, nice. <laughs> I am so serious. On my website, it says um, anyone who has not prepared, don't come knocking on my door because you get squat. That was literally nothing. my last question was, <laughs> if the crap hits the fan, can me and my family come live with you? Nope. Mm -mm. And the reason is, if you can't prepare for yourself, why do you think I should be preparing for you? Do you feel a particular sense of this as a person of color? Because so often when these disasters have happened, communities of color have been really left behind and really, the government has not responded. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. There is a, there's a racial component of this for you? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I've, I've seen it in different areas, you know, every hurricane or, or natural disaster that's happened, the, it's the poor community and the people of color community that has been suffering. Have you I been just, able to make a connection to communities of color with this message? Like, hey, we sort of, uh, sadly, I would say, we got to look out for ourselves a little bit. Right. It's, it's starting to come around. At first, I was the weirdo. You know, she's cuckoo, she's, you know, or she's a conspiracy theorist. And now it's, it's coming around where it's being a little bit more accepting, yeah. you know, in the community. And it's important for all of us as people to prepare because you know why? Disasters do not discriminate. So we all need to be in it to, together to help each other, family to family, person to person. So um, I have been creating, developing this camp called um, Decamp Outdoors, a preparedness camp for city folks. Okay. And that is to help people in the city learn how to start preparing now and then prepare just in case they have to evacuate 
because the definition for decamp means to relocate to another area. Yeah. Right. So it's my mission to teach and educate people um, how to pack their things, put it in their cars, and, and then plan their way out. Have three routes out of the city. Because you, if you hit the highways, y'all ain't going nowhere. Okay. Yeah, that's already the case, and it isn't you're even the apocalypse. Anywhere. Yeah, you're not going. You're not going anywhere. I mean, know? this is it's, like a Friday. I know, right? Right? Sharon Ross, Afrovivalist, thank you for being our fascinating friend. Sharon Ross, our new fascinating friend, the Afrovivalist. By the way, we found out about Sharon because of a Livewire listener, Teresa Horn, who nominated Sharon as a fascinating friend. And if you are listening to this right now and you know someone who could be a fascinating friend for our show, go to livewireradio.org slash nominate. Our comedian this hour has appeared on The Tonight Show, Conan, and uh, has his own Comedy Central half-hour special. His podcast... A Great Listening Experience, details his questionable attempts to attain infinite knowledge and power. Please welcome the super funny Joe Zimmerman to Livewire. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Uh, This is amazing. Um, Y'all were talking about the apocalypse. I did purchase... A survival backpack off Amazon.com, $37, good for seven days survival. Um, I have eaten three of the power bars. <laughs> I don't know how these doomsday preppers have the willpower. <laughs> like, oh man, we got to make a grocery run. Wait, do we need to make a grocery run? <laughs> I wear glasses, and um, the, true, the true apocalypse people say, you got to get LASIK. And I actually signed up for LASIK. That's how serious I was. But I started to get panicky. I have anxiety. And I told my therapist, and she goes, well, one thing you can do with uh, panic is go through worst-case scenario. Uh, and I'm like, OK, worst-case scenario, the lasers explode my eyeballs. <laughs> And then I'm blind forever with pain in my eyes. And she goes, is that really reasonable? I'm like, you're the one that said worst case scenario. If I'm really playing this exercise, worst case will be that I sue the eye doctor and lose. He countersues, he wins. Now I'm blind, broke, stumbling around. I trip on a dead body, didn't see it there. I'm like, wake up, cold man. And now my prints are all over a body. And I'm accused of a murder I didn't commit, sentenced to life in jail. And my nickname is Old Wacky Eyes. So I still wear glasses. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that is worst case scenario, though, being a 
going to jail for something you didn't do. Uh, so I, uh, when I get really paranoid, I'll play this game in my head called Can I Prove Where I Was At Yesterday? <laughs> it's fun, you just pick a time. See if you can remember where you were and then see if you can prove it, that's the hard part. I'll play for real any time yesterday. You can throw any time at me yesterday. 1.34, all right, I'll go p.m. I was at my coffee shop in New York City. I got a mocha on my credit card. That's a timestamp and a cent. <laughs> Thank you. Anytime I use my credit card, I'm like, beep, not going to jail for whatever just happened. Nice, that feels good. I love using my credit card. My debt has skyrocketed, but... Fortunately, not a phobia, just a concern. <laughs> and I'm fi fine with concerns. <laughs> All right, any other times yesterday? 2 a.m., that is a murder time. <laughs> wow, that's tough. That's where that game gets hard. 2 a.m., I was asleep alone in my bed. I took no lover. No alibi, no way to prove it. Guilty as charged. <laughs> Can't afford to sleep alone. <laughs> Which is a good pickup line. <laughs> like, hey, will you go home with me tonight? I'm afraid of being charged for murder. <laughs> uh -huh. So, trying to work on my anxiety. I tried meditation, that was my New Year's resolution. I didn't realize how easy it is to just close your eyes and worry about everything. <laughs> oh no. That's my mantra, oh no. You just repeat that till you give up. Makes the rest of the day so much easier. You're like, thank goodness I'm not alone with my thoughts anymore. <laughs> this normal stress is easy compared to that nightmare. <laughs> Trying to do more fun activities. I saw a study, well, I saw an article. I read a headline, to be honest. <laughs> but it was good. It was a good one. Apparently, men, more than women, have a tough time making close friends as we get older, and that's kind of sad. And I thought about it. It's true, though. I remember when I was a kid. I remember I was six. Craig moved in next door. He was six. I was just like, oh, age and proximity? That's all we need. <laughs> We're best friends. If some guy my age moved in next door to me now, I'd be like, if this guy talks to me, I will be furious. <laughs> When you're a kid, it's so easy to hang out. You just play. We'd play all day. So much we were mad when we got called for dinner time. Can you imagine liking life that much <laughs> that you hate dinner? <laughs> Always asking to be excused. Kids hate meals and bedtime. That's all I have now. I slow down every bite. Oh, if I savor this, I can delay living. 
I just visited my dad in Virginia. I have a Costco dad, as are 80% of dads. He, uh, he likes to make me guess. He'll go, Joe, guess how much this red wine was at Costco. <laughs> you gotta, you know, gotta go high. I don't know, 25 bucks. He's like, $9 <laughs> up top. <laughs> he got me a Costco membership for my birthday. He was like, you're in. And uh, I live alone in Queens in a studio apartment. <laughs> I didn't realize how alone I was until I went to Costco. <laughs> Cereal boxes the size of my torso. <laughs> Trying to get my arms around the paper towels. Like, do I need a family? Is this what it's like to hug your kids? <laughs> Every trip to Costco is me gambling I'm gonna be alive for five more years. <laughs> The first time I went, I had onions on my grocery list, and I really needed one onion. But the only option is a duffel bag full of onions. But it was $7, I was like, this is a steal, you know? Maybe I can really explore the onion this month. Give extra onions to friends. You know how friends love onions. I ended up having one onion and then got bulk fruit flies. <laughs> hey, I'm Joe Zimmerman. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Joe Zimmerman, everybody. This is Livewire Radio from PRI. We have to take a very quick break, but we will be right back. Hey, special thanks this episode to Carolyn Whitney of Portland, Oregon, and Catherine and Scott Love, also of Portland, Oregon. Carolyn and Catherine and Scott are part of the Livewire member community, and they are generously supporting us with a donation each month. And we are so thankful for that support because... It is how we are able to do this show. So thank you so much, Carolyn, Catherine, and Scott, for making Livewire possible. Welcome back to Livewire from PRI. I'm your host, Luke Burbank. Elena Passarello is right over there, and here with us uh, is a wonderful crowd at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon. Our musical guest this hour is making his second appearance on the show after completely blowing our minds the last time he was here. He is the oldest son from a very musical family of 11 children. They're from Hawaii. We don't know why you would ever leave Hawaii and come to the mainland, but here he is. Uh, his debut album, Soul Street, is available now. Please welcome the wonderful Ron Artis, the second and the truth, back to Livewire. Aloha, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, man. What song are we going to hear? Today, I'm going to share the song with you, Carry Me Along. 
And um, this is on our new album, Soul Street. And the fun thing about touring and playing with these guys is we get to have a lot of fun off stage as much as we do on stage, even though we get on each other's nerves because we're all so different, which also brings the music, in my opinion, to a whole different space of us just kind of collaborating in whatever song we play. And I think that the same goes to saying about life and your circle of friends. Just, you know, just because somebody's got that quirky thing about them, you know, just give them time. <laughs> it makes life beautiful. All right, this is Ron Artis II and The Truth on Livewire. Oh, 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 oh. 
the second and the truth right here on Livewire. My goodness, their latest album is Soul Street. All right, that is going to do it for our show this week. Thank you so much to our guests. Senator Jeff Merkley, Anish Mojgani, Joe Zimmerman, the Afro-Vivalist, and Ron Artiste II and The Truth. Livewire is brought to you in part by Alaska Airlines, Foley, and the Jupiter Hotel. Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Lauren Masterson is our development and marketing director. Tim Harkins is our production director. And Christian Sager is our marketing associate. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko. Caitlin Kunkel is our writer. Our house band is Ezra Rose, A. Walker Spring, and Ethan Fox Tucker. Molly Pettit is our technical director. Our house sound is by D. Neil Blake, and our on-air mix is by Corey Schreppel. Thanks, as always, to Carlson Audio. Additional funding is provided by the Regional Arts and Culture Council and the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation. Livewire was created by Robin Tenenbaum and Kate Sokoloff. Our show is made possible by the generous support of our members. This week, we would like to thank member Lynn Pham of Beaverton, Oregon, for his support. Thanks, Lynn. For more information about our show or how you can listen to our podcast or sign up for our newsletter, visit livewireradio.org. I'm Luke Burbank. For Elena Passarello and the whole Livewire crew, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. PRI Public Radio International.